Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Enthusiast and Co. Thank you very, very much for joining. Uh, I am The Enthusiast, as ever, but today's and Co. is the wonderful Alice Gab, who is a hand letterer, banner maker and all-round excellent egg. Um, I've known Alice for a couple of years now through the wedding industry, but what kind of started out as a industry relationship has quickly blossomed into a friendship that I'm very grateful for. Alice is super, super interested and interesting. And I say this in the episode, but that's such a great combination of things to be because not only is she just so well educated and um, across so many different things, she's got something to say about everything, but in an excellent way. But she also really loves to talk to people about what what they like. Um, She's a true enthusiast in that sense. So it was a real joy to talk to her on this episode. We covered everything. We covered calligraphy, banner making, uh, women's marches for um, social rights. We covered language. We covered cake. Have I said cake already? We like cake. Um, Kombucha, all sorts of things. And I really hope you love this episode. It was an absolute joy to record. And I really hope that kind of comes across in the listening. So enjoy. Hello, Alice Gab. Oh, hi. I, do you like that I full named you just for some inkling of formality in this very informal situation? Absolutely. I could be anyone. You have to check. That's, that is true. Well, how would that be a check, though? Because you could have just said yes, and I'd be like, well, that's checked out. <laughs> that wasn't the most stringent of ID checks. Um, but I do have reason to believe that you are, Alice Gab, one of my favourite people in the entire world. Oh, how are you? Thanks, Ellie. I'm doing really well, actually. Um, Alice. Yeah. Uh, things have been good. Uh, calligraphy box orders have been incredibly high. So that's it's really lovely. People really want to learn. So that's keeping me busy. It must be such a nice way to know that you're helping people in this like situation. Uh, like, yeah. You're give them a hobby and helping them fill their time with something beautiful and teaching them something amazing. That has been one of the like the nicest surprises of my job because... When I was just wanted to teach calligraphy in general, it was a few years ago now. I think I've been teaching for three or four years. And I was like, oh, you know, I just wanted to teach it because that was my job and I wanted to share it. Mm-hmm. But actually, since teaching, like it's really become like super apparent that it's like very, very mindful, um, really relaxing, and just generally like an analog activity that's like wholesome and nice. Yeah. Um, whereas it's, it's what I'm that's my job it's what I make money from so that's kind of why I was sharing it but yeah no it's like actually a lovely activity so I feel really really lucky that that um yeah I get to share something nice oh I love that yeah. well let's kind of start with who you are let's go really deep and existential at a time of crisis um tell me who you are what do you do um just let other people who aren't quite as in love with you as I am yet (laughs) um just give them give them the the 411 on why they will be in love with you in the next 10 minutes oh yeah I went straight in there sorry I'll, I'll go back I'll explain so I'm Alice um I'm a lettering artist and a modern calligrapher um, I've got a studio in um, Dalston and Hackney, which is where I work from. And I just generally do all sorts of lettering um, during the week. And I often teach uh, in my favourite kind of venues around London, uh, mostly on a Saturday morning. So, yeah, it's a very nice existence, really. And this is my <laughs> this is my 11th year since I graduated. So oh it's super God. exciting. I know, I know. That's mad. Yeah. Well, happy 11 years to you. Thanks so much. I keep, I keep saying 10. And then this year I was like, 
oh <laughs> <laughs> oh no change that. yeah 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 so yeah it's all good amazing um so where did you pick up kind of so the first question I want to ask you is what are you enthusiastic about at work and you've already mentioned um your incredible hand lettering and calligraphy um could you talk a bit about your like style because it's very you and I, that's kind of like something that mum says when they're annoyed like, oh that's very <laughs> you like that's been leveled at me many a time in my in my life um but I mean that in a very very complimentary way like could you talk a bit about your style and how you found it yeah, my st- so I did um, graphic design and illustration at university, which like the, technically that's called, it has all sorts of odd names like visual communication, I think it was technically called back then. But <laughs> um, I was um, in that kind of era in time when um, digital illustration and graphics was like massive. Um, but it was like actually quite new so Mm -hmm. you could totally get away with like when I was (laughs) like my foundation year was when floppy disks got taken away like that's like it was massive (laughs) it seems it's not that long ago but like everything changed in that time and everybody moved to becoming like computer superstars like everyone hadn't had an apple laptop and i did too but i just refused to learn how to use it um during the whole of my degree which was basically why i was there um i just wanted to be analog i wanted to be drawing i was book binding i was screen printing i loved printmaking studios and my whole kind of vibe which drove all the, the teachers completely insane. So I just, I just wanted to physically make really lovely things that were like totally imperfect. Like the type teachers were just like, for the love of God, because I loved typography. I was always doing it, but I just loved when it went wrong or it wasn't perfect. And the same in the, in kind of letterpress and printmaking. I always celebrated when things went quite right just love the human touch so I just continued that when I left I got a stall at Broadway Market and Hackney if you haven't been I tell everyone to go it's very beautiful um it's mostly like a artisan kind of food market but they have local craftspeople as well and I got a stall there and I sold my hand printed stationery every Saturday that was printed at Print Club London um and I worked from home at that point and it was like based on like 1940s telegrams. It was so niche. Um, <laughs> I just loved letter writing and that kind of, um, again, like just that analog vibe of doing nice things. And it was all based on kind of heraldry. And the, to be honest, loads of it was based on like very tongue in cheek, but like the royal family, which now just makes me want to like I just can't cope with the idea that my work's based <laughs> that, on that. that's a really key part of your origin uh, yeah, story <laughs> but, it, but it is because like, in 2012 I got arranged with anthropology on the back of that because we did arrange for the jubilee um which was my one of my biggest breaks so and then shortly after that I just quietly took all of that away <laughs> because um like over the years I've kind of got more and more kind of political and interested in other things and so I just didn't want to be associated with that but um I also think that's a good way to bow out pardon yeah that's a good way to be like I did it with anthropology I'm done now okay yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely and um so I've just always loved um 
loved that kind of naivety in work. And since I've left uni, I've had to catch up and uh, learn how to use all the all the right um, technology, etc. Um, but I still want it to be not quite. I, and I study like I I go to study like the traditional forms of calligraphy, copper plates, and there's absolutely no room in that in those letter forms for um, kind of imperfections. That's the whole point of of learning them. But I learn them. And I'm not quite I'm not quite perfect at them, but I learn them, and I still kind of add in that kind of human human touch. <laughs> that's just what like I find interesting and. Um, I got interviewed and called um, Perfectly Imperfect, my lettering, in the early days of, of my, um, when I learned modern calligraphy, and I was just overjoyed with that, and I, <laughs> I use that all the time um, now when Whereas I a lot, a lot of people in kind of, in the calligraphy arena would be um, annoyed by that, like that, they'd be like, no, no, I'm just perfectly perfect. Absolutely. into the being like, no, I am, in fact. Yeah, completely, and I think like, that's just completely how I approach my lessons as well because modern calligraphy takes a lot of practice like I teach a two and a half hour beginners class but that that's not like you're not kind of done after that I'm 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 giving you all the correct tools and I'm teaching you all the correct techniques it doesn't necessarily depending on on the way you hold a pen and stuff it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to leave as a modern calligrapher, <laughs> probably not. But um, if you were to learn the traditional types, it would take years um, of practice. But I just think it's like, why do we need to be perfect? Like, just really enjoy the process. A lot of people don't get to be creative in their jobs. And I just love the idea of, uh, like, people physically, like, coming together to do something so lovely and joyous as like learning calligraphy so there's there's a real not polarity but there's a real um kind of tussle that I think it 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 doesn't seem like a struggle with you that you are very very focused on the analog um but also um you are very very as you say kind of political which we'll get on to more later about like not wasting and really not being excessive with like owning and, and and kind of possessions and stuff and I think it's so interesting because it's so obvious that what holds those two things together is kind of like tangible emotion and just like really enjoying yourself and I think that's such a it's such a everything you do is so obviously infused with just the love of creating and the love of being and existing and I just it's it's such a joy oh, to thanks Ellie yeah I do think um that wasn't quite as like pithy a quip as perfectly imperfect <laughs> but I'll try and condense that so that you can use it as a sound bite <laughs> yeah I do I just think that um I don't know all the all the good things in life um it's just it is like slowing down and I do think like lots of people want to come to a private class which is absolutely mm. fine. It takes place in my studio, so it's nice where pe- that people can see where I work. But it's for me, I am really enthusiastic about physically bringing people together. Like I really, um, I often, even though I earn a lot more money from a private class, I, I am <laughs> like, please, if you can make it, like please come to a group one. Like it's just nice to be um, sharing a cup of tea and a slice of cake, and um, yeah, learning together. It's a good thing, I think, for us all. Definitely. And your classes as well, you there's um 
kind of you said that you really are really enthusiastic about kind of like having a sense of belonging and I think that is so obvious in the way that you do run your classes because you you pick the venues based on places that you love in an area you've lived yeah. in for a decade as you say yeah. like you've you've lived and grown and worked and kind of become Alice Gab the legend I'm sure you were a legend <laughs> in the previous stages obviously but like as a you've kind of it's been your becoming in a way hasn't it East London and so I feel like the way you you integrate that in your classes and everything you do with your booklets and all the advice you give people that's not just around calligraphy but is around kind of really soaking up the best of it yeah I just I love it all thank you yeah I'm really really um oh super enthusiastic about uh the area that you're bringing people to I just when I moved to London I just remember finding all these incredible places and at the time when I started teaching and when the classes became really popular I kind of wanted to I don't know, just kind of capitalise all of London. And uh, so I I had like six venues all over London, most areas. But now I've really scaled that back. I do still teach uh, like a few times a year in like choice venues in the West End because they've asked me and we have like a long time kind of relationship. But classes mm. that I like completely have, uh, venues that I found and my kind of general a little group of classes they are in the east because um exactly as you said like that's my turf that's like I haven't grown up here but that's where I've been for 10 years and I feel really really strongly a lot of the areas in East London they kind of might look a little bit unpolished especially if you're used to the west yeah but there's so many gems and you just won't know about it unless someone tells you. So pe- I, people so often, I give everyone a list before the class of um, like places of interest around the area. And it's really interesting because for years, especially I teach around Shoreditch and for years, I kind of got taken into by the kind of all the shiny new places in Hackney that was so slick. And, mm. uh, and I, d- I put those on my list too. But now I've completely gone against that. I only give um, places that have been there for a long, long time that are like integral to the area that have withstood uh, the regeneration and are at risk of regeneration to kind of keep those places like appreciated. And if you, I've noticed because I teach with Airbnb, so that means that I'm often going to get people that have no idea where they are. Um, you're like Mwahaha, fresh meat <laughs> yeah such fresh meats and I thought that giving them a list of places like a digital list in when they book the class I was like oh great they'll go to all of those places because I would if someone gave me those recommendations yeah hundred over the years I've noticed that not like it's incredibly rare that anyone will take that up which is so bizarre to me but you know each to their own so I had to make a physical map a paper map to give people at the end um so that they can like physically see and understand and be like oh okay I was gonna go straight back because I have no idea where I am um but like actually they end up like what I found with maps as well it's no good just putting on your favorite places like people want to know the exact route that you'd walk yes they just and and within the route then they can explore the bits that look nice to them but so I'm I'm like really interested in that in in like how people instantly feel connected to an area um so 
And yeah, one one time, oh, it still it still gives me the goosebumps. But this one time in, um, I'm stressed. Okay. I don't know whether this is a good story or an anxiety inducing. Oh no, it's and lovely. I'm... It's okay, so good. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that now. Um, uh, yeah, it was in the Cake Hall Cafe on Columbia Road, and um, in the back, that's in the back of Vintage Heaven, which is like this gloriously kitsch kind of um, interior crockery shop, and we have a lesson in the back of it. And um, everyone piled in as, as they do. And generally speaking, which is another thing I love, is that it's a solitary activity because the ticket prices are about £65. So you might not just by default bring a friend. Mm-hmm. So lots of people come alone. So it's really, really nice. And so everyone piled in. But I assumed that this couple of girls had come together. They were sat next to each other because um, they just like just got on like house on fire. And then um, they followed my instructions at the end and they went to Broadway Market together, which is really near because it was a Saturday. And then after they wrote to me and they were like, um, we actually didn't know each other. We met oh my God. at that time and we had the best day walking to Broadway Market and we had such a nice time. And oh now God. I found a new friend and I was literally like, oh my gosh. My babies, my babies. <laughs> and that I can't like, that doesn't happen a lot, I have to say. I can't claim such things, but it was <laughs> so... If you go to my calligraphy class, I will give you good cake. I will um, teach you how to be a calligrapher and I will also give you, you will... a lifelong friend. Yeah, you will find guarantee. That is the AG guarantee. <laughs> but yeah, that was like the best, just the best thing ever. So I, yeah, I really, that's a um, a really lovely thing, I think. That kind of segues excellently. I, I feel like maybe you didn't do visual communications at uni and you just did general communications because that segues beautifully into your second question, um, which is what are you enthusiastic about in play? And you said solo exploring, which oh, I think yeah. kind of like has really just come out in that previous answer um and yeah. I, yeah you you do you do the solo exploring abroad as well don't you you really do love to it, and it's funny because you are very much a social creature like you you know I've seen you in crowds of people you, really <laughs> your own. you love to talk you're 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 the perfect blend of this whole episode is just a love letter to you but we're just gonna go with it um you're an excellent blend of interested and interesting like you know you can oh, hold your own you've got lots to talk about but you also genuinely do love to hear other people's point of view um yeah I've, it's um, so interesting that you also love being on your own yes so I think in general I'm like I have lots of opinions or lots of different opinions so I'm just really <laughs> used to people not agreeing with me in general um like if uh yeah if um if I only hung out with people that thought the same thing as me like I'd always be alone so I um so I ended up because uh, as you get older it's it gets harder to kind of combine timetables I'm sure you know and all of these things so it, solo exploring at first was kind of like because I just wanted to go away for a really long time and that's incredibly difficult to get someone else to commit to that I wanted to do a big trip I never did a gap year I went straight to do art foundation um and I did lots of kind of little trips away to Europe with friends which was amazing um but I wanted to do like a big one and so I went to America for two months um all by myself and I just met so many amazing people that I would never have met if I wasn't alone um because they wouldn't have kind of taken me under their wing and I've re- it's really I'm really hooked on it now um I did a trip to Lisbon alone and yeah I generally do lots of little um trips over there uh I just 
love I'm I quote him all the time but if you listen to Nigel Slater's um how to fail with Elizabeth Day yes oh my god yes. oh my god so like when I listen to him I'm just like I didn't realize how much of a treasure he was well Ellie the more fool you um <laughs> Out of I... myself as an idiot. <laughs> um I just feel such affinity with him I think there's a lot I have so many similarities with I don't know just like a very self-indulgent kind of lavish selfish existence is like just wandering from one cafe to another appreciating like really small things like a really good book and like chit-chatting to I reckon Nigel talks to nobody but um I love <laughs> as you, I do actually love talking to other people and meeting people so yeah I just um I'm a simple simple soul Ellie um so that's really what I what I'm super enthusiastic about do you have any this is an on-the-spot question so feel free to tell me where to go um but do you have any what would your general advice be for people who kind of do want to make kind of some solo trips but are maybe scared or apprehensive or just don't know how to go about it definitely do small little chill trips because to be honest you might find that it's just not for you and you do not want to be like you don't want to beat yourself up about it it's not for everybody I I had loads of practice because I had a year where I got sent to different such a glamorous job I got sent to different shopping malls around the country for like mostly about four nights but sometimes up to a week and I had to do calligraphy for um like a different brands mm. um and so I was just in hotel rooms in cities all over the UK just by myself and I had an allowance every day for food, um, like a very generous allowance. Um, and so I just got really used to it, like dining alone. Also, like when I was at foundation, I lived by myself for a bit and um, I moved to London for the first time. And it was that kind of like sex in the city was a big deal. Not that I care for it particularly, but I don't as know. Say, you don't strike me as <laughs> like Harry Bradshaw-esque, but we're, we're going to roll with it anyway. But like solo dining seemed actually like, even though it, it filled me with fear, it kind of seemed this terribly grown up and civilised thing to do. Yeah. So I, I hadn't like demonised it in the way that some people do, I think. And also I would never walk into a restaurant. I think you really have to remember this mindset. I would never go anywhere hunt for a single person that seemed to be by themselves and think oh my god I can't believe they're here by themselves yeah that's so so like you have to realize that like people don't care if you're there doing your thing um so like at most they're probably going to be thinking god I wish I was that brave like if they haven't thought about it it would be a positive one of being like good on you yeah I think good for them um so I really think we have to like step outside ourselves there and like I am really lucky I've been brought up my mum has zero shame and I've inherited (laughs) it I spent like 15 I spent 15 years being like cripplingly shy and embarrassed and then weirdly I just kind of came out of it the same so like I just feel absolutely no shame about things like that I just think I'm having a lovely time you're not going to stop me doing what I want to do everyone should do it if they want to 
I love that though. We need we need more of that. I mean, like I'm nodding along and laughing along. I'm the absolute polar opposite of you. Like I am as an as a fully grown adult, I am racked by constant shame and guilt, and I will never come out of that. So, but it's, it's good to dream. I'm I'm living vicariously via you. Alex. Yeah, do do. Um. So you said about kind of like simple pleasures, um, and you being a simple soul, which I don't agree with, but I know what you're trying to get at. Um, yeah. And you kind of some of your hobbies out of work, like. This guy loves fermentation, don't you? Oh, I do. Oh, so well researched, Ellie. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm quite. Even though I believe in full system change, so I'm going full heavier. I believe that like change needs to come from government and system change. I do. Like, I don't think it should all be on individuals. I like. I think that's a total farce. Mm-hmm. But. I, do, I am really interested in, in little changes that I can make. And uh, they, I, I, nothing, I think if someone came into my house, they'd be like, uh, oh my God, that's overwhelming, like all the things that you do. But it's all been so gradual over a long period of time. Like I do uh, make my own kombucha. I'm so new hackney, darling. <laughs> um, but I, I do make my own kombucha. Um, the lovely Lottie from... Um, just got an Instagram called Margot's Retreat. Um, she taught me how to ferment, and there's such it's such a like cool community because you you create an extra every time you do a ferment, you create a little bit of extra that you're like desperate to give to someone else. You're like, now you can start, like if you see what I mean. So the yeah. whole community is like de- absolutely waiting for someone to go, oh, I was thinking about making kombucha. And you're like, oh yeah, I, like, I can help you. You're like Oprah with the cars. You're like, and you can have kombucha and you can have kombucha. Honestly, when when I went to Lottie and ca- casually said in her cafe, I was like, oh, I'd love to start kombucha. She literally just bent down, grabbed a massive jar and a scoby, which is what you need. And like, stabbed some holes in the top so that it could breathe and like and just handed it to me and was like there you go and I was just like she wouldn't feed it some sugar when you get home and I was just like I wasn't I'm not ready for this but um it's been two years and I parenthood looks better than ever oh better than ever and like all sorts of things this year my um my big wish in life was to make my own oat milk so that's what I've done um all of these things I really enjoy doing. I very much love like cooking and gar- I'm big into the old gardening. Every year I do um, calligraphy lessons at uh, Hampton Court Flower Show. And I think people wouldn't expect me maybe to love it as much as I do. But I get my, I do like um, garden centre realness is my like <laughs> vibe. And I put on my socks and my Birkenstocks and, I, and a visor. And I'm, so, I'm absolutely in my element. I know I know you were joking about you being New Hackney, but you are I think you are the embodiment of how these like older um dispositions is the wrong word, but kind of like pastimes actually are very modern. Like you are to look at, you are exceptionally modern. You are the modern, <laughs> modern woman, Alice Gab. Um but you have such an old an old lady lifestyle in the best oh, yeah, possible way. Absolutely. It, it, on paper it seems like you're full of contradictions but in in person and with such a vi- the vitality that you have it all just makes total sense like I love it <laughs> yeah I'm a big I'm a big rambler I'm a big walker um just to add to that list of old lady loves um so yeah all of the all of the good stuff I think they've got the right idea retired people have got the right idea <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> I think so too when the weather's nice 
Like I'm oh, very much yeah. the gardening and the walking when the weather's nice. When it's yeah. not so much, I'm like, God, I wish I'd learned how to use a computer. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and so you mentioned about kind of system change and stuff. Honestly, you've been smashing out the segues today, Alice. Um, the, the third question is, what are you enthusiastic about at life? And you have said social and environmental justice. Um, and I don't want to put words into your mouth. So could you explain a bit about kind of what, what it means to you and how it kind of manifests in your... I, can, I cannot use the word manifest now without thinking of like... <laughs> um, but how it, like, how it looks in your life day to day. Well, that's so funny that you just straight out said that. Because when I wrote it in the email, I was actually thinking... I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't actually worded it exactly like that because that sounds so unbelievably, overwhelmingly heavy. Um, but now that you have said it, um, I <laughs> will, okay. yeah, I will, I will embrace it. Um, yeah, I, I just really believe um, in that in the, for kind of society to work and for us all to be living like our very best lives that we have to have more social responsibility, social and environmental responsibility than we do now because the government is not um, putting into place like what we actually need to all kind of thrive. And it's really interesting at the minute because we're all um, we're all at home. Um, so I don't know. I think this is actually becoming a very big conversation globally. Um, what systems work and what don't and we have all become really connected to our communities which I find so interesting because as a person that has lived here in the same house for six years I do know my immediate neighbours but I don't really know anyone else and now people are just forced to kind of really take an interest and like connect with each other and I just think that's amazing and I hope I hope we keep that um but the uh, one and one of the only ways that I've been able to kind of connect with my local area at first I felt really really connected to Hackney because I was at Broadway Market for seven years Mm -hmm. and I instantly felt kind of meshed into the tapestry of Hackney and whereas lots of my other friends kind of moved to London and were like "Mm, nah not sure this is for me I kind of instantly had this thing that made me part of it um and after that and lots of my friends kind of moved away because um like you can live an hour away from a friend in London like it's very difficult to find people really really near to you but eventually I ended up joining Extinction Rebellion, which I know is fairly controversial, but um, it's allowed me to very quickly integrate into my very immediate community, like-minded people that really care about social and environmental responsibility because you can't have one without the other. Um, uh, So that's been been great. And uh, so, yeah, uh, the biggest thing that I that why I'm in that is because that in Hackney especially there are so many grassroots charities that have been helping um for like their whole lives like they are completely stitched into the net the community and I just want to be kind of a bystanding helper to that like I don't (laughs) want to I think some people think Extinction Rebellion is like this big thing that's kind of thinking that it's going to overtake all of that stuff but 
actually within Hackney we're just trying to help all of the people that are already doing that amazing stuff um yeah you've definitely opened my eyes and kind of educated me on how Extinction Rebellion works at a as you say at a grassroots level I do I think in kind of like larger conversations about it you know from media and news outlets you know with an agenda or without I think a lot of a lot of the nuance can get lost that it is happening at ground level a lot of the time and a lot of what they do aren't the massive campaigns that you know attract attention and are for um you know to polarize people but a lot it's helping it's like helping your neighbor absolutely um, educated and I think one of the um one of the really interesting things about your um enthusiasm about this is that you don't shy away from it on a business level either um, which I think is um really interesting because I think a lot of people aren't quite ready to take that leap to publicly kind of enmesh their business lives when um you know what you do for business the calligraphy is it's beautiful but it is um not luxurious because it is wholesome and grounding but um, it is massively luxurious (laughs) yeah no it's um I work in a luxury industry which is really polarizing with my kind of personal beliefs Uh, the more established I get the more luxury brands I work with and the more the conflict grows and that's like um an an ongoing like I do I do worry a little bit I the thing is I can't not put across my views yeah I, I don't think we all have to agree with each other so I'm not asking people to agree with me I'm just really interested in other people's opinions and so I'm putting mine out because I would implode if I didn't (laughs) and I do know that it comes at potentially a great cost because people don't want to be involved in that like I worked with Ralph Lauren and I put a post up about working with them which I was so grateful to work with them uh lots of brands keep me going like um so you know I wouldn't be able to do what I do without that support currently but at the same time I couldn't I had this huge conflict in my mind because I didn't want to necessarily promote them um as a as a brand so I wrote about their links with um with dressing Melania Trump um whilst most other designers decided not to and I mean that is not ideal for any like brand like no like I understand why that would then be a massive conflict of interest for me being hired but at the same time I feel in my heart that it's the right thing to do and eventually maybe I won't get hired by lots of these brands because I understand that I can't keep my trap shut but <laughs> at, the same, at the same time by speaking out on this stuff and talking about it and having these conversations I'm now getting work with like women of the world festival doing a banner making class which was one of the best things ever and totally what I want to be doing so it's 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 always up in the air it totally is a risk I'm sure lots of people find it not their thing and so would unfollow but at the same time I think other people are like actually this is really my my bag I'm I'm in so yeah yeah Yeah. speaking of women of the world let's talk about your um 
banners which is yes. how you kind of got involved with women of the world um I know you said um about language as well that you kind of love language and social commentary and that obviously ties in with um politics and justice and the state of the world today um yeah. could you talk a bit about kind of the inspiration for your banners because I mean they're beautiful to look at anyway everyone will have seen one um Charlotte Jacqueline had them at her wedding um Girl Power Gang has them at her talks yeah Lovely Africa has one, doesn't she? Coco Fanel, yes, so, going up today, um, Africa's. I can't yay. wait. Yeah. Um, so people will have seen them, but I think not only are they visually beautiful, but they're, they're emotionally, there's such a story behind them. Could you tell us a bit about that, please? Yes. Yeah, so um, I went, when I was in America, Trump got inaugurated. Um, I think it was January 20th. I'm not saying it's your fault, Alice, but if you weren't there, <laughs> maybe, maybe things would have been different. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think it was, um, was it January 2017? And um, so the Women's March happened and um, it it was massive. But I happened to be, even though I'd been in like, I'd been in like New York, which is like so anti-Trump. And then I'd been in New Orleans, obviously like mega liberal. But actually at that point, I was in Phoenix staying with um, a very, very strict Mormon family. Um, so I, amazingly, they, um, the mum, Jill, who I love so much, but she agreed to drive me there, didn't ask too many questions and I didn't talk about it too much because I knew she, I knew she knew and Mm. I knew she didn't agree with it, but she so kindly did the hour round trip, not only to take me there, but to pick me up again. Um, Maybe that was her plan. She was just going to leave you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leave me with all the loose women. Um, and I, I'd never been to a protest before, but I just knew that I had to be there. If she hadn't have driven me there, I would have found a way to go. I had to be there. Um, and I didn't have a banner or a placard or anything. I, I just went by myself and I thought, I'll just see what's happening and I think there are about 20,000 people there which for Phoenix was massive um it was big and um I just saw these amazing banners and the language was so interesting um and there was this enormous like bigger than mine fabric like big textile peace sign um it was so beautiful uh, so I wandered around and, and like the language was really really fun like a lot of them said things like girls just want to have fundamental rights like <laughs> there were really it was really cool wordplays and stuff and it was really actually it's really interesting because when I went to the Trump march in London we just did loads of swears like <laughs> yeah it's what we do best let's let's so, stick to what we know <laughs> so interesting but I just found that the whole way around America all of this protest was happening at such basic levels like um in New York I just walked around someone's um house and in the apartment window it just had hung in like party lettering you'd hung out for kids it said not my president like there were all Hmm. these hard hitting like phrases happening everywhere and I ended up in Portland um before I came back down to Oakland to fly back I was going to say, not on the march, I would like to point out. You didn't march that entire (laughs) way. I ended up in Portland um, for the final leg of my trip. I was there for two weeks and they have this real kind of protest history there. The walls were covered and because they're a city of artists, they're like the most beautiful posters you've ever seen. Um, 
I think it's Nathaniel Russell. It's an incredible um, artist. He had these beautiful posters that said, resist, fear, assist, love. Mm-hmm. And like these phrases were just repeating and um, no justice, no peace. I always remember that sign. Um, no justice, no peace related to the, um, the the pipelines that were going through indigenous lands at the same mm-hmm. time. All of this stuff was happening. Um, and when I was looking at all this uh, language, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that's like really interesting. But then I'd find that like months later, these words were still kind of going round and round my head. And um, I started collecting, like actually making a note when something interested me and kind of collating these lists of phrases. They ended up being themed. Um, and so I made this show when I got back of five banners, I think. And they said things like um, unity equals strength. Um, they were and universal toleration. Um, the, the banner I saw that made me make all the banners said universal toleration and when I looked into it that that phrase actually has a really really long history um but then even now like I know you're really interested in language as well that phrase universal toleration that's years old from a a particular British secret society that would never stand now you couldn't say universal toleration not couldn't but you wouldn't you'd say universal acceptance yeah or like true acceptance I, I don't know like even since in that three years our use of language has just like completely mm-hmm. opened up um the conversations are opening up a lot more so yeah I've gone off on like a thousand tangents but I hope that, that is literally um, what this podcast is for I, I hope it, I that kind of explains like the backing they they say what I think they say they say these phrases that like really mean a lot to me they like carry a lot of weight and the 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 history of the banner in the UK is like so rich and interesting. Yeah. It's like it really was a, a to fight oppression in the UK. It was a working class, um, working class these massive banner, banners. You'd march, um, especially like Manchester and up north. Um, it would be you'd have banner makers in each city um, making these really really beautiful banners, like trying to fight for justice um like social justice so yeah I'm just and they're so beautiful um and so big the original ones uh but mine are mine are more like kind of church church banners they're like very <laughs> very heavy weight like velvet all the fabrics are always secondhand because why not um uh, I love ferreting them out and collecting them um <laughs> so they they look kind of really beautiful and friendly and at the minute, they say like very friendly things. I think are quite poignant and thought provoking. But uh, like I think, with time, there will occasionally come some quite heavy, heavy ones. Uh, and I, I love that the kind of the pinks and the tassels will kind of counteract that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're so right about them. Even though you know, as you say, kind of the the ones you're being commissioned to do from a more aesthetic point of view um aren't necessarily the 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 language isn't necessarily representing the the banners you saw that inspired you to make them but the 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 theory behind it is similar in that it's you know 
what people are really feeling it's it's something they want to see every day it's a mantra that they want to live their life yeah absolutely and so I think it does kind of have it does have crossover doesn't it 100% like we don't have church anymore we don't have commandments to live by we don't have like we don't talk about morality in the way that we used to I'm not saying that we should I think loads of awful things came with that too but um like I do think it's an interesting conversation like what is it that we all stand for or believe in or like what's important to us I like I love and I think that's how it's slightly segued into like Charlotte Jacqueline Charlotte Jacqueline had one for her wedding it's slightly segued into the wedding industry because like that is a time to really like collect what is it that you both are working towards what do you like I don't know yeah I think that's a really nice thing yeah and I think with the especially in the wedding industry as well it's a I know like a uh, from the outside it might be a time it might seem like a time for um you know indulgent unnecessary items but actually I think weddings are a time like more than ever to niche down on what's important and why yeah. you're there and that is love yeah. and community and morality and all the things that make life worth living and I think yeah. the representation of that is such a lovely thing to be able to be part of yeah absolutely yeah Oh, well, thank you so much. I could talk to you all day, <laughs> as, you know, as we have done many a time. But thank you so much for giving so generously and openly, and just really sharing all of your all of your life wisdoms. I think you've 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 walked an exceptionally interesting path, and your oh, ability to remember Sally. such like little, you know, like such poignant memories along the way. I think makes for such a wonderful story. Oh, thank you. I'm really super chuffed that you asked me. So um, thanks so much. Um, where can people find you if they want to chat shop cake hackney banners portland um, gardening kombucha where can they find you on the internet to talk to you um so my website is alice gabs that's um alice g-a-double-b.com and then um i've like it's an unusual name so when you type that in you'll find me in all the places um instagram as well is uh my stories are full of (laughs) <laughs> thought-provoking article shall we say <laughs> mixed, really in with, <laughs> mixed in with some delightful calligraphy to trick you and some excellent vintage outfits and oh, yeah dreams. absolutely and good good bows in the hair and things <laughs> well thank you so so much alice thank you ellie bye-bye well thank you very much for listening to that episode of the enthusiast and co this is the bit where i tell you where you can find me um i am on instagram at the enthusiast.co on facebook forward slash the enthusiast co and on twitter at eleanor kime uh, k-i-m-e my website is the enthusiast.co if you're looking for my merch any more resources or my blog um, and you can sign up to my email newsletter there as well thank you so much for listening speak to you next time